ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 124. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hello, Jenny. Hi, everybody. We're here today to talk about trends in online business for spring of 2019. We try to do a couple of these trends episodes a year where we give you our take on what's working and what's not working currently online. And so we have a handful of really exciting trends to share with you that we've been noticing both on social media and in online business in general over the past few months. Yes. So we've got five different trends and I really like doing these kind of roundup posts, Jenny. They make me really happy to sort of summarize. And I think they're extremely helpful to to those that are trying to start an online business or in the middle of building a business. So the first one we're going to talk about is a BuzzFeed article of all things called These Women Are Only on Facebook for the Groups. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this article hit home with me in a really big way. We could do an entire episode on this, except for we just did an episode a few episodes back on Facebook groups that was different. But so essentially what this article is saying, it really resonates with me and my own experience on the platform, which is that sort of secret or private, highly curated Facebook groups are a respite, especially for women or marginalized people of any kind on Facebook, where they can kind of go and find real community, which I think is what the platform was designed to be in the first place, but without the toxicity. So whoever moderates or serves as an admin on those Facebook groups really polices the content, really is carefully curating who gets to be in that space. And it's this, I think, this opportunity for really beautiful community to form. Yeah, I find it super interesting too, because as we said in that recent Facebook episode, the only reason I go on Facebook now is because of our group. Mm -hmm. I do not belong. Well, I think I do belong to, I don't know how many groups, but I never ever go into them. I avoid Facebook as much as I can. It has no power over me whatsoever anymore. And it's just the groups, but I totally get that these are sacred, quiet, safe spaces to discuss very, very, typically very like niche down ideas or interests. And I love this point in the article, like this is what Facebook was supposed to be for. This is supposed to be, this is how it should have been functioning. But now, you know, there's just so much controversy around Facebook and that the only quiet 
sort of the good only good thing left of Facebook are the private groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved this article. I totally agreed. And in addition to our own group, which to be honest, is not to me one of these amazing communities, because that's not why we have it. It's it's not our main thing that we do online. But I am in a female founders group that has proven to be just that. It's this very select group of people who find it by invitation only and are able to join. And I have found it to be a really honest place where people are sharing tips and mentors and resources and um, sharing difficult experiences. And then the community jumps in to try to help. And I know that If I'm ever tagged in a post or if I ever see a post, I check in about every other day into that group. And if I ever see a post that I can help with, I always take a few minutes and share a resource or give some advice. And um, to me, it's, it's an invaluable place. Like so often we're used to paying for this kind of stuff. And because of the diversity and the really highly curated nature of this particular group, there are people who are way ahead of me in entrepreneurship and business. And there are people who are, you know, behind me. And so I really try to give where I can. And then I also am able to ask for when I need some advice from someone who's running, say, you know, a hundred million dollar company, they have insight into experiences that I don't yet have. And, um, and when somebody's just starting out and they're asking, about where do I figure out how to source my terms and conditions for my website, I can help with that, right? And so it's it's a really beautiful experience where people are being honestly generous with their time and energy. Yeah. And I, I it, yeah, that's interesting. That, that whole, every time you talk about your female founders group, I thought it was a Slack group. I had no idea for years that it was a Facebook group until mm-hmm. recently when we attended their gala. Like, mm-hmm. that's a Facebook group? Because mm-hmm. I just don't hear, you know, you just so rarely hear of those kind of experiences on Facebook anymore. So it's yeah. kind of amazing. It is amazing. And I am also in a Slack group that is not nearly as powerful for me. So there are lots of female founder communities. But this particular group is really special to me. And um, just going back to this article, The author says, for many of us, these groups are one of the few remaining things tethering us to a platform that's proven itself ineffective at combating toxicity, misinformation, and abuse in nearly every way. They provide community for people from all over the world doing a bunch of different stuff with a bunch of different and intersecting identities. And I think that this really is the vision of what Facebook could have been and should have been and should have become. And it really is an amazing opportunity, not just Facebook, but online work in general or online community is is very special because it can bring historically unconnected people together and, and connect them in new ways. And um, and so when you can find that happening, and I think we have that happening in our inner circle as well, Sandy, which is a, mm-hmm. is a paid community, so it's different. But when you start to see that happening in certain places on the internet, it's really a magical experience. And so um, we'll, of course, link to this article in the show notes. And I, I imagine for many of you, this is an, a similar experience. Like you have connection to a community on Facebook, some kind of group, whether it's your own or one that you belong to that you're finding this refuge. Otherwise, I I imagine you wouldn't be on the platform because the rest of the platform is pretty harsh. Right. And I think that's a good point that we do still recommend for our inner circle or our teachers on Namastream that if they are doing, if they need a place that is free, that they want to connect um, their members or their students or their clients with, we still recommend Facebook groups. And so I think a lot of people are still using that. But uh, we've chosen to take our community off of Facebook into a platform called Mighty Networks. We do pay for it, but it's not distracting. It's clean. It's beautiful. It's a little bit quirky sometimes, but um, I think we're pretty satisfied with it. 
Yeah, well, we're really satisfied to not host that particular community on Facebook. The other thing about Facebook is that Facebook is quite triggering for people, especially women. And so as part of sort of our high, one of our highest tiers of of clientele, we wouldn't want to mandate that someone have to be on that platform in order to access the coaching and the service that we provide through our paid programs. And so although we have a free Facebook group and although we both go on Facebook for different reasons, like we would never mandate that our paying clients have to be on Facebook. Yeah. So just wanted to put that caveat out there. Okay. So the second trend that we want to talk about is pretty big. And so this has to do with some shifts that are taking place on Pinterest. And we have other episodes historically on Pinterest. And Pinterest has been this amazing platform. I don't even want to call it a social platform. I'm going to call it a search engine Mm -hmm. where if you had a blog or a podcast or some sort of free content anywhere on the internet, you could really, up until now, use Pinterest as a way to get a bunch, leverage that content into a bunch of free traffic to your site. And we're starting to see that shift. So Pinterest recently went public. It's now a publicly traded company on the stock exchange. And because of that, they have to start making money. So these kinds of businesses, before they become public, they often are relying on venture capital to sustain them so they can get their money from their investors. They don't necessarily need to monetize their users. But then once they go public and they become a publicly traded company, they have to try at least to become profitable. And often that has to do with ramping up the extent to which ads are a part of the equation. So in this case, what is predicted to happen and what's already starting to happen is that um, you're going to see a lot less organic content in your Pinterest feed and a lot more ads. And I think because it's still so early, I mean, we've been running promoted pins forever on and off. And we've had pretty good results with traffic from those. But it was very much like an underdeveloped part of their platform. Like ads were really weird and quirky. And you didn't have a lot of intel on who was clicking and you know, the kind of analytics that you would have on a Facebook, for example, that is starting to shift. The ad platform has been completely redone. They have an entire marketing team that's made up of Pinterest employees based in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, it looks like ads are becoming a much bigger part of Pinterest moving forward. So as a blogger or a podcaster or some sort of internet content generator, you're going to have less and less opportunity probably for free clicks. But it's the early days really of Pinterest ads still. And so if you're willing to spend a little bit of money, word on the street is that you're going to get a pretty amazing bang for your buck over there on Pinterest with ads. So they call their ads promoted pins. So we're starting to dive back into that ourselves. We will keep you posted. But it's kind of an exciting development. It's a little bit sad for those who've been relying on all that free traffic. But it's super exciting if you're you know, wanting to pay to play and you have a little money to throw into it. Yeah, I think that the key there is that this, these are early days. And I think people always benefit if you can kind of jump in and figure something out or start experimenting with it in the early days. I think you'll um, things will probably pay off really nicely for you. And so that's why we are we are getting back in the Pinterest game. And it's it's just so easy. We have a mastermind and there was a conversation about this that was, if you're not someone who loves to go live on camera or likes video, like Pinterest is a really 
interesting place to show up and create a beautiful graphic and drive traffic to a blog post or an opt-in or a whatever. And you don't have to be on camera. You don't have to take a selfie. You don't, you know, there's no, you as a personality don't have to be a part of it. And so for some, this could be a really attractive platform to get involved in. Um, I think you do have to drive it somewhere. Just, you know, like that, when they click, it has to go somewhere. And I think that some people don't quite understand that part, that they're searching yeah. for something, they find your graphic and they click on it. And that's how you're going to drive your sales or your traffic. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. Yeah, so if you have like a five-day challenge or you have a blog post that's teaching someone how to cook healthy meals for their family in 20 minutes or whatever it is. Like if you have something that you want people to connect with and consume, you can create a beautiful pin and then drive traffic back to that product or blog or podcast episode or whatever it is you've made. But yeah, you have to have some somewhere to send them. It really is like a visual search engine. The other thing that we've heard about Pinterest that's shifting is for the last few years, there have been all these programs that have developed like Tailwind and many other um, Pinterest tools where you could set a schedule to like kind of repost your pins over and over and over. And what's happening with Pinterest now is that it's like every social platform starting to really reward newer content. And so I think relying less and less on reposting the same pin 100 times and more on like creating new pins and fresh content and driving it to new things. And so that's good. I think that's smart that that's happening. Just Um, more work. Because I always found it a little Mm -hmm. weird that you would like set up a pin to repin every two and a half weeks for the next six months. And I mean, that's just to me like nonsense. But that's what it's we were doing on Instagram ridiculous. and Facebook, right? It's like you would, you would just yeah, re- yeah. recirculate. Yeah, yeah. So now Pinterest is right, finally caught right. up, right? And so, yeah, recirculating content on social is a no-no and algorithms are not liking it. So that goes for Pinterest as well, for those of you who got used to the old way of doing things. Okay, trend number three, Sandy. We wanted to talk about the trends that we're seeing with regards to creating membership or subscription model businesses on the internet. And I think a few years ago, you could get away with just pure content. Someone would pay you for a month and then you would just have pre-recorded content. And I think that's shifting away and that there needs to be a little bit of you involved in the equation. Yeah. So I think the nature of memberships are shifting, especially for digital products. I think people want less and less because like every single day, the internet is more and more crowded with free and paid products, but lots and lots of free stuff, right? So if you have a membership and you're dripping out some amount of content, you know, four to eight pieces of content or videos or whatever it is a month, people I think are exhausted by content. And so they have so much access to information all the time. We all do from all directions and often it's free that it becomes less and less valuable to have content, right? So what people want is they want a result. They wanna learn something, they wanna achieve something. And so often more content doesn't equate to achieving that thing. And they're paying you because they want to do it faster or easier than they could on their own from going through a bunch of free content. And so if you can make your 
digital products or your membership sites really results driven. And often that I think comes in the form of like group coaching or group broadcasts or something like that, then it's going to be a whole lot more valuable than giving people more things to read or watch or listen to. Because they're just like, this, the world is crowded. They're just... It's like a sea of like you maybe have a shining gem in a sea of trash on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you don't see all the all like the space that our online lives are taking up, but it's so much space, right? Like there are whole cities being powered by the exhaust from server farms. Like Seattle, like the, the heat that like the electricity of Seattle is coming from like the exhaust from Amazon servers under the city's feet. Like it's just so much cacophony of information. So how can you actually help people have better lives or create real results? And often that's not just like crowding. Mm-hmm. Which is the easiest thing to do as a as a creator, right? Well, I'll just explain it in this video. I'll just create a guide. I'll create another workbook when yeah. often they just want a conversation with you or they want to connect with other people who are experiencing the same thing. So it's just a pause if you are doing a membership. Like what is it that you need to do to allow your followers to achieve what they, they want with you? But I do want to say like there are still memberships that do very well that are just content driven. And it does depend on the, on the niche, whatever you're you're working in and, and how you teach and what kind of following you have, because some people are super happy just to get videos from you. So I don't know, this is a Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I'm yeah, saying and especially that because in there's our a lot of like in very well known like Rusty yeah. Wells. I mean, he doesn't have any live component to his membership. People just want his videos, you know, and he shows up very authentically for sure. you know, himself yep. and people love him, adore him. They want any contact they can with yep. him and a pre-recorded video makes them extremely happy. So for him, that works. So it's not, we're not saying that everybody needs to add a live component in, it, you know, consider who you're talking to and what you're teaching. And, uh, but that is a trend. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly right. And especially if you're doing movement-based work, which is a lot of you that are listening, I imagine, this is you know not necessarily true for you. Although I do have think you. that people will mm-hmm. pay a premium on occasion yes. to be able to have you answer their questions. And so you can start to think about how to build an upsell that does include a live component to a yeah. strictly video-based membership. Okay, moving on to point number four as a trend we have seen taking place mm-hmm. lately. And I love this trend so much. And this is the rise of nano-influencers. nano nano influencers. And so these are people with teeny tiny little followings, like hundreds of followers or maybe 1000 followers. And the truth is that these are a group of people online who have been historically untapped as influencers. And so the market is wide open. This is kind of where most people who participate on social media fall. And so brands are just really starting to dig into how do we leverage, you know, thousands of nano influencers or hundreds of nano influencers to really have an impact on our bottom line versus going after um, people who have 100,000 plus followers on Instagram, for example. The people that have hundreds of thousands of followers are just getting so ridiculous expensive for these brands. So I think it's interesting that they're paying the nano influencers in product and the nano influencers are doing it for fun. You know, it's not a business for them, but they still can have a serious impact. And so I think this article to me, it read that they're sort of trying to still measure it. Like, are these nano influencers, you know, driving sales or is it, is it worthwhile for them? But I I think it's a really cool idea that anybody can, 
can start doing this. And that's our friend May from obviously we had an interview with her a few months ago. And this is what she does. She she helps, you know, with these tiny little accounts, connects them with the brands. Yeah. So we read an article, she was in the interviewed about nano influencers back in November in the New York Times. And at that point, she had 7500 nano influencers in her database. Like so she if you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it. It's May Karwowski of obviously dot or obvious.ly, obviously. And so what she does is she connects brands with nano influencers. And she said by March, so this has already taken place, she expected that to double. So she probably has over 15,000 nano influencers in her company's database. And so she's really working with products. And she, she works with big brands, like major soft drink brands and beauty brands. And she gets these products into like she her startup owns a ton of warehouses and like they do all of the sourcing and the shipping and the tracking they get these products into the hands of nano influencers and then coordinate all of the social media posting that goes on about those products. It's really a fascinating model. And I think it's, I mean, kudos to her to take on something that requires that amount of coordination because brands themselves don't have the capacity to do this, which is why it's untapped, right? Because you think about it, like who at Pepsi is going to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to send a case of Pepsi to 1,000 random people on Instagram that have 500 followers, right? But but May has built this entire engine to do this, including the shipping, which is crazy to me and, and so freaking awesome that she's taken that on. But it also, for many of you, part of why we wanted to talk about this is because many of you and many of us are essentially like, we could be nano influencers, right? And so if there's a brand that you want to work with, or whether it's a local company, a studio, a restaurant, an apparel company, a fashion brand, whatever, you know, often you can just reach out and see if they're interested in you promoting what they're doing, whether it's on your blog or on social or to your people in exchange for free product, free food, and maybe even a little cash on the side. And so it's worth starting to explore this as a business owner because you don't know where those connections can lead you in addition to getting free product as you grow. You know, it's a symbiotic relationship. You're, you know, you can help each other as you grow you and the brands you work with. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in that at all and working with me, you can just head over to her website, obvious.ly and apply to be an influencer. Yeah. And we'll, of course, link to that in the show notes. Okay. The last one is IGTV. Uh, we did, our last episode was talking about IGTVs or, or Instagram, but we don't want to, so we don't want to spend too much time here, but we just mentioned Instagram on our last episode. So we don't want to go too deep into this, but we wanted to mention this as a definite trend that we are seeing so much activity on IGTV. The likes, the watches are like nothing we've ever seen on our account. And I think just the fact that they now show the one minute preview of any video that you upload to your IGTV, that one minute preview will show on your feed. And I think obviously Instagram and their algorithm is leaning towards those that up, that use the, the tool IGTV. And so we are definitely going to be putting up more and more IGTV with very distinct calls to action because um, it's really working for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you ever have the chance to be sort of an early adopter on a social platform that you suspect is taking off and Instagram has already taken off, but this element of it hasn't, it's always you're going to get more bang for your buck by investing your time and energy there because the platform is is going to reward you for using it and serving as an early adopter. So, I mean, we're starting to see more and more people that we follow, kind of bigger figures taking on IGTV as a major element of their marketing strategy 
strategy, I encourage anyone who is comfortable on video to get, or if you're not to get comfortable on video, I'm not comfortable either. I still do it. Um, but to start to really explore whether this could be a viable option for you, um, because it's, like I said, it's a huge bang for your buck. You're going to get more views and more likes and more attention. You can also have, and I like for many of us, if you don't have a 10,000 follower count on your Instagram account, you can't use the swipe up feature in Instagram stories. But in IGTV, you can use a clickable link. Like the title of your IGTV is clickable. And so, and I think, can you have other like links too that are clickable, Sandy, right? So- No, you just click the link of the title. You click the title and then all of the like copy will appear. And in that copy, you can have links that are live that you can click through to website. Which is amazing because you don't have to say, go to the link in bio. Mm -hmm. It's really, really amazing. So that's one way that the platform is obviously rewarding you for using it early. So go ahead and check it out and see if that could be a good fit for you. Yeah. And I just want to make one last point before we head into Join Hustle. And it, it was you and I talking just before this. And we've said so many times to each other that, okay, we're not talking about social media anymore. We're done. We're going to talk about business. We're going to do no more social media. And I think it's just a realization that social media for us is business. It's part of, a very important part of our business. And so we're just learning to embrace it. Sometimes it's irritating and it's annoying and we do need to take breaks. And I think that's important. But I think if you are trying to build a business that the more that you embrace it and understand it and figure out what channel makes the most sense for you and to do hard things like go on live Instagram, for example, you know, we we have to kind of push through that, I think, to be successful. And we've just seen lately a real change in ourselves on Instagram, like something has really shifted and it, it just seems like it's working. We're getting more messages. We're getting more references to something they saw on an IGTV. It's just really fascinating. So I just encourage you to, if it's difficult for you to be on social, I think there's a bit of a mindset shift that has to happen that this is just part of doing business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think we were really reluctant to want to be seen as experts at this because we're like, well, that's not what we wanted, right? But um, it's true that whenever we put out content on our blog or on our podcast about social media where we're talking about it, that tends to be what people want to hear or read or listen to, right? So we are just embracing it because, you know, we are the kind of people that we study we because of we have a software company in the space and we do a lot of coursework and coaching in this space. We have a level of expertise at it, right? Like we're studying all the trends all the time, which is why we do these episodes on the the podcast about trends. And I think it's not normal. Like not everyone is studying like what's happening on Pinterest right now and what's happening on Facebook and where are these things playing out? And we... We just, that's who we are by nature is that we're always taking in information and synthesizing it. That's just like, that's how my brain works. And so then that's what we do. Um, and we're happy to, to serve as this resource here. So, you know, I hope that if any of you are noticing any other trends that you'd like us to discuss, you'll reach out. You can come into our Facebook group, Soulful MBA, which is a free group on Facebook. And you can always email us at team at Namastream. If, if you have a question about something that you're noticing on social, you want us to sort of dive in and, and give you our take on it, we'd be happy to do an episode on it. So, okay, with that, let's go ahead and dive into the joy and hustle. And I believe I have the joy today, which is, we. I mentioned this earlier on another podcast episode when I ordered these, but they are Felix Gray glasses. And I had read a post on Cup of Joe about them, which is how I found out about them, which is my favorite blog. 
And um, I was like, huh, because I'm used to using these like really hideous gamer glasses for blue light reflection stuff when I'm using my screen. And I have been suffering from a lot of lightheadedness and like eye strain and all kinds of stuff from looking at a screen too much, which is just the nature of life and work right now. And so I ordered these glasses. They were just under $100, I think. And you can use an HSA. And for those of you in the States, I don't don't know if you have HSAs in Canada. It's like a health Mm. savings. Anyway, it's like tax-free health money. (laughs) Anyway, you probably have something like this. Anyway, I, I, I have these glasses now. And I will say that they almost look like normal glasses. And I'm so, they, they're still a little blue and um, a little reflective more than like a regular person's glasses. But like you could wear them out of the house and not be totally embarrassed, which is great because it's it's hard sometimes to remember to take them off when you turn away from your screen. And I have noticed a dramatic decline in the number of headaches and lightheaded feelings that I've had lately. So if any of you are suffering from this, I highly recommend getting something that's going to block that blue light from your screen. In Canada, the government gives everyone blue light glasses free. Nuh-uh. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Sandy's always trying to trick me. No, they don't. You'd have to they pay don't. out a packet for those. Yeah. Yeah. See? But it's only 100 bucks. Yeah. So it's no, probably well worth, worth it, it to well save your it. eyes. <laughs> okay. So the hustle, we're going to give you the two articles that we mentioned. The first one is these women are only on Facebook for the groups. And the other one is... Are you ready for the nano influencers, which appeared in the New York Times? So we will link to those in the show notes and you can go through those. Some really great resources there. All right, folks. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would head on over to iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It will help more people find and experience the podcast and we would certainly love it. So thank you so much and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Ding, 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 ding,